The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like why rom-coms are so intoxicating, <laughs> how to get rid of uninvited hauntings, and why atoning for our bad behavior doesn't mean we have to talk to our ex. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Uh, we are just two people yeah. who are trying, trying as hard as we can to get through this <laughs> thing called life uh, and yeah. sometimes doing well and other times maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. And other times maybe not so much because like, spoiler alert, <laughs> I have reached out to my ex to be like, I feel bad. <laughs> That's and right. That you literally just did that. I didn't mean to shade you not, with that. No, <laughs> done. I sunglasses on, my friend. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So Sam and I are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We are only here to offer our humble musings, hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. So y'all, if you have not heard already from Spencer's nice little um, inserted ad or on our social media, um, our live show happening in September was postponed. Um, we didn't talk about it last episode because it was pre-recorded. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm sorry to folks who are listening to this out of order and and are like, we don't give a fuck about the September show, but we, we want to talk about it for a minute. Um, I survived the entire pandemic without getting COVID and then got a positive <laughs> test um, on the Sunday before our Friday show. My daughter brought COVID home from daycare. And let me tell you how fucking hard I cried. <laughs> I had the idea that I had to cancel this really special trip because we not only were we going to come out to do our first live show since 2020, you know, Sam and I were so excited to be um, on stage for all of y'all in the audience and on um, the stage, uh, or I mean, on through live stream, but uh, mm -hmm. Sam and I and our partners had a plan to go away to a cabin. My Minnesota friends were going to get to meet my baby. I mean, I just like, mm. I was like literally fantasizing about this trip. And then I got a positive the Sunday before the fucking trip. And I just was like, oh, of course, of course, of course. Thank you. Chaotic universe for this lesson <laughs> that I'm going to fucking not want to learn, um, which is that I have no control over anything. Um, but luckily, uh, our show has been um, rescheduled. Uh, so uh, if you haven't heard the automated ad already, um, I'll just repeat it really quickly. Um, it's been rescheduled to Friday, October 21st, 7 p.m. It's still all ages. It's still the same price, the same venue, Amsterdam in downtown St. Paul. And if you are already a ticket holder, that ticket is good for the 21st of October. You can also get a full refund um, up to the 20th. Um, or if you don't have a ticket yet, like if this, hopefully this date works even better for you and you can come to for this sure. show, um, yep. uh, you can get tickets both virtual and in person at justbreakuppod.com. Um, Sam and I are going to be there with some new exclusive merchandise. I um, am really, oh, I, I got a, a yellow, a two-piece goldenrod suit that Sam it's and Spencer gonna, both said awesome. were, quote, three <laughs> fire emojis. <laughs> it will be a lot of fun. Um, and our check-in topic today is going to be talking about, is going to talk about how fucking sad I was <laughs> to fucking postpone this sh <laughs> show. Um, JK, uh, but it will be um, a little about that. So I thought, what we could unpack very briefly in the check-in topic is um, just loneliness. I, you know, I'm a new parent and I have had a hard couple years and mm. I, mm -hmm. you know, as we all have with the pandemic, with the ever increasing isolation in our society um, in, and I, I think the show being postponed just hit me so hard um, because of some compounded other sadnesses and traumas that Sam and I've already unpacked off camera. Um, but it made me want to, I don't know, be 
transparent with our listeners, uh, just that like, you know, we go through seasons of our life where things are easier to carry or carry or they're, they're harder to carry. And I think mm. I'm in the season right now where any sort of hardship feels really hard to carry because I'm carrying, you know, I'm still healing from other hardships. I'm carrying other things. I've got this new baby and this new body and this new relationship and, um, with my, myself and my spouse. And, and so in addition to transparency, I think I just wanted to like extend a virtual hug to mm. our listeners. If any of them are in a similar heavier season of their life. Oh my God. Time out. I said the word heavy and it reminded me that Sa one of Sam and I's originating friendship, like trivia <laughs> is that we were, we were both obsessed with the book, extremely loud and incredibly close. Um, mm -hmm. back in what, 2000, what are we talking about? 2009, 2008, we were, I we, think, we yeah, met 2008. And in that book, um, there's a young boy who talks about on his sad days, he's wearing heavy boots. And so mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm wearing my heavy boots and I know that there are listeners out there who are also wearing their heavy boots and um, feeling more and more isolated, you know, as, as either pandemic restrictions um are continued or are lifted and you still don't feel safe going out into public, you know, you don't feel supported, you're disconnected from your friends or family, whatever. Um, you know, you can even be, I think what another reason why I wanted to like bring loneliness to the check-in topic table is I think it's totally okay to be lonely in a relationship and lonely in a life mm. that you love. I, I love my life and I love my partnership and my new role as a mother. It's nothing has made me feel more like myself and also nothing has made me feel more unlike myself and uh, our, our little cabin trip being canceled just triggered so many of those wounds um, triggered so much feelings of loneliness that I know we're all sort of carrying around. So yeah, just bringing that all to the check-in table <laughs> and, and saying to our listeners um, that, you know, as much as I feel alone or isolated, um, we are all interconnected in one way or another. And I know it's yep. hard to tap into that when you're, when you're carrying so much or when you're wearing those heavy boots, but I'm trying to tap into it by like reaching out to you all in the void and saying like, we're connected. Right. And I, and I'm hoping you'll echo it back to me and say, right, we are connected. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity for us to remember the fact that we are not able to do this stuff alone. And I mean this stuff by like yeah. literally everything, right? Like we are all deeply interconnected yeah. all the time and interdependent, right? Like we can't exist in this world without without each other. Um, and I think one of the things that this is a good reminder for us to think about is um, I love the, the, the sort of sentiment that like goes around social media sometimes where it's like, check on your friends, right? Which like, yeah. yes, absolutely. Continue to check on your friends. And also like, what does it look like to ask for what we need yeah. to, right? Um, and remember the fact that 
we are all interdependent. And, you know, that narrative that so many of us have that like we're the most fucked up, that our friends can't carry any part of our load with us, um, that we're a burden or that like our stuff is so big that other people can't even touch it. Um, And just a reminder of like, are the people around us often have so much more capacity than we give them credit for. And the fact that like, our burdens often feel so much lighter to the people around us. Right. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about like offloading all of this, but to remember that, like, it's easier for me to carry the load of somebody who's going through something because it's not mine. Right. Yeah. It's easier for me to sit there and say, I, I see this and I understand this. Um, and it can be really hard in those situations to think like, how am I supposed to ask somebody for help in this? Because it feels so heavy to me and and I can't imagine that they would want to, to hold any of this. Um, so check on your friends and also check on yourself and yeah. ask for help. Ask for, ask for what you need. Um, get in the habit of, of not eating those big things that are, that can feel so insurmountable and to say like, Hey, I'm going through something. I know you are too. So that's not to say that your things don't matter, but this is yeah. a challenging time for me. And can you, can we at least try and hold these things with each other as opposed to separate from each other? Yeah. And in some of the processing that I did this week about feeling like so crushed, <laughs> you know, and like feeling that sense of loneliness getting um, bigger. I like listened to um, a lecture by the blind date I suggested a couple of weeks ago or last week or whenever, um, Tara Brock. Um, and it was about loneliness and connection. And she mentioned something that I thought was so true is that, that I wanted to share with everyone that so often, well, we've, we've been taught like that we need to shoulder it by ourselves that our, that our issues and our feelings are a burden to other people. Um, and we don't culturally, like, we don't know how to say, like, I see you in this, um, I'm carrying my stuff and, and I see the stuff you're carrying as well. Like, we're not like quite fluent in that sort of connection quite yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately those feelings of isolation, um, to not belonging can translate into there's something wrong with me. You know, like Sam said, there's something uniquely fucked up about me that I don't have that many friends or there's something uniquely fucked up about me that, um, that I'm dealing with this loss that none of my friends are dealing with, or there's something uniquely fucked up about me that I'm still thinking about my ex, my terrible ex after three years. I can't share that with people because I am alone in it. And, I know that this is way too simplified. And like, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're like, what the fuck does this bitch know? (laughs) But if I could, if I could like put anything on my gravestone, if I could swear to anything in my life, it would be to the fact that no experience is singular. Like, no, we are never alone. We are, we are never Mm. truly alone. Um, and I know even, even in saying that I'm hesitating because I know there's people out there that was like, well, my three-legged dog got hit by a car driven by my sister-in-law who was, you know, like, and they're like, beat that. Can you, can, is is there somebody out there with that exact experience? (laughs) And that's not the type of specificity I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm talking about the shades of grief 
and loneliness and frustration and fear and inadequacy that we've all worn in different ways. Um, And I'm trying to tell myself this week to be compassionate to what I'm carrying and, Mm. um, and, and that I'm not alone, even if I, even if I feel like it, you know, I think it just, Mm -hmm. I I sound silly, but in general, I, if I've learned anything from being this podcast host or from my work in poetry, like we, we need to be reminded that, that we aren't alone, especially when we feel that way. So I'm, I'm reminding myself that, and I'm reminding our listeners that, and yeah, I sound like really in my feelings and I am, don't get me wrong. I, l- I literally <laughs> live yeah. <laughs> in my feelings. I make money off of my feelings, um, uh-huh. but uh-huh. I'm actually in a great mood. I'm happy to talk to Sam. I'm stuffy because I am still slowly getting over this virus that shut down the whole world. And um, I also just spent the last like 30 minutes crying to Sam about my feelings. So mm-hmm. we just got to like yep. clear the airways a little and get, get the There's energy a- going. <laughs> <laughs> there was some crying, I think on both ends. So we're fine. We're fine, everyone. Don't worry yeah, about us. <laughs> New tagline. Just break up. We're fine. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, hey, y'all, I love you. I I don't know what you're carrying right now, but yep. I see it. I acknowledge it. And I fucking hope that if you've had a hard week, that it's getting better. And if it's not getting better, know that um, you're probably in some great company. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Do we want to get into this? I, f- I feel like that like set the wrong tone for this episode. I, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sad and lonely. And you guys are probably sad and lonely, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we okay. probably lots of us are sad and lonely right now. Yeah. Um, well, maybe, you know, and here's I love- some things to help us feel less <laughs> yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the letters that we get that are like, I listen to you on the way to work in the car, or I listen to you when I'm doing chores, or I listen to you in bed when I'm going to sleep. So like, I guess I'm just picturing you all in your various states of being and your various states of listening. And I'm reaching out to you all. I'm like, I'm like metaphorically, mm-hmm. you know, mentally holding your hands. Because I want to hold somebody's hand. (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. because you need me, but because I need you. (laughs) There we go. Yep. It's it's an exploitative (laughs) hand holding here. No, it's not exploitative. (laughs) Literally, that's the exact opposite of what you were just saying. Like, (laughs) Sam Blackwell, it's okay to need other people, but it's also exploitative. JK, JK, JK. It's the joys of this podcast. The joys of this podcast is that we oscillate back and forth between being super Um, holistic and being assholes to ourselves <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that is, that's the work <laughs> okay are you ready to get into this week's letters i am so ready let's do it our first letter comes to us from rom comedy of errors whose pronouns are she her who's writing to us from the southwest corner of montague street and capulet drive Here's my query. I, 27 female, am still holding onto feelings for an old flame, 26 male. I met during my semester abroad. We were introduced by a mutual friend at a party at the time we were both 21 and 20, realized we were in the same Shakespeare analysis class and quickly became romantically attached. It felt like a whirlwind. He was so proud to show me off, which was something I was not used to as someone who always carried a little bit more weight than my peers, the kind of guy to want to dance anytime there was music playing, but also... 
was able to be serious when necessary. It scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Upon realizing how deeply connected we were becoming, I initiated a discussion with him where we decided it was best if we kept things platonic as I was going to return to the U.S. and he was going to stay in Europe. Oh yeah, did I mention he's European? Immediately, I felt like this was a mistake, but I decided not to say anything because A, I felt like I couldn't change my mind. B, I wanted to protect my heart from the intense hurt it would feel when I had to go home. And C, I was an American abroad and wanted to be free to do as I pleased, which I did and very much realized how hot I am and that I did not need to be self-conscious about my size, which was a great lesson to be learned for my self-esteem. Love that. That said, we did have a standing study day every Friday night in the library after Shakespeare class and our friend group was intertwined, so we were definitely getting together often. Our final goodbye was still tear-filled despite trying to avoid it. He reminded me that it would have been so much worse if we had stayed together, but in some ways, I feel worse about letting my fear get in the way of that relationship being lived out fully. When I returned to the U.S., we stayed pretty close contact via Facebook message and Skype. Things petered off a little bit after we graduated from undergrad, but we basically have a standing six-month check-in via Facebook message and as our birth dates are about six months apart. And sometimes he will sporadically reach out to send me a YouTube video that he thinks I'll like or something along those lines. We've both dated various people throughout the last six years, but we haven't discussed those relationships with one another since the folks we dated at the tail end of college. When we do talk, it's generally an update about work, mutual friends we still talk to, etc. Realistically, I have no idea how he feels about me, but I know that not giving myself the chance uh, to be really seen and loved by this person is one of my biggest regrets. I even tried, at the recommendation of my therapist, writing him a goodbye letter in my journal, which worked for a little while, (laughs) but only temporarily. (laughs) That is so real. Uh, Sometimes I think I am using the fantasy of getting to live out a real-life rom-com dream with this man, who realistically I don't even know anymore and doesn't know me as I am now to avoid the pain and grief I feel about my real life relationships. But Mm. I'm struggling to find closure with him. I think part of it is because for the first time in many years, we continue to message back and forth on Facebook for almost two months since the recent birthday message. Here's my question for both of you. What do I do about these feelings I still carry for this man? I'm not saying flying to Europe is out of the question, but I don't know if he'd even want to see me. And even so, both of our careers are fairly tied up in our country of origin, though I could probably swing London since I work in the performing arts. But other European nations don't totally work for what I want out of my career, as well as my language skills not being up to snuff for most European nations. So even if we were both still interested in trying, it would be a challenging long distance situation. How do you recommend I seek closure for myself about this person, but also forgive myself for not allowing myself the opportunity to be fully loved and seen by someone who wanted to do so? Any thoughts or musings are appreciated. XOXO, rom comedy of errors. Cute, 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 Mm. cute, cute. Sam and I are just going to play good cop, bad cop (laughs) in this. Mm -hmm. And and by that, I mean, uh, not that one of us is good or bad, but that we are just going to go in totally different directions. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say that I fucking chose this letter 100% because it's been a long time since we've had a good old shoot your shot letter. (laughs) And I wanted to feel good about the world. And I wanted to feel good about love. (laughs) 
<laughs> instead of like all the other letters that we get that are like love is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam is going to kick this. Oh, man. I'm gonna bring us down to the real world, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. We're gonna do both. Yeah, and no. we're gonna do a classic JBU, which is that we give opposing <laughs> advice to you. <laughs> To be honest, I I agree with Sam's advice, um, but I just like the romantic in me. Listen, I want you to shoot your shot because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Write huh? him a letter and say, like, I know this is long winded or like not long winded. <laughs> I, don't be long winded. Be to the point. I know this is a long shot. But I've been thinking about you and our time together and I have some regrets and I just I wanted you to know them. This is how my fucking wife and I reconnected. So who am I to say that this couldn't turn into something? I just want us to believe in love. God damn it. And also I'm with you. (laughs) Sam. No, rom-coms. They're awesome. Um, No, no, rom-coms suck. Real life reconnections do happen and also listen to every other episode in which I say they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get back with your exes, people. Um, I mean, I I don't disagree that you should shoot your shot. (laughs) Like, go for it. Whatever. Like, life is short. It's chaotic. Well, isn't it better to know? No, wait, actually, no. It's not always better to know. That's like the antithesis of half of our advice that we're going to give in the rest of the show. But in this very innocent... Situation in this context, in I think, only whatever, this context, see what happens. You don't know if he doesn't want to move to the United States, right? Like, you're making some assumptions about what's going on here. So, like, why not just have a conversation about it? You don't like go for it, right? You're making, yeah, you're telling yourself a lot of stories about what's happening here, not in a judgmental way. We all tell ourselves lots of stories all the time, and you don't know what you don't know. So like, talk to him about it. I'm hundred percent on board with that. Like just, just shoot your shot. Um, absolutely. And what I'll say is that I think that this world is filled with European men who have come into our lives <laughs> for a brief period that all of us are collectively obsessed with. Like, I like think that this is like a European. very, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, I think that this is probably like a very common experience for a lot of folks of like, yeah. um, having somebody who came into our lives for a season and for whatever reason, there were regrets around it. And now we like, can't get this person out of our heads. Um, and I say that not in a way to say, like be dismissive of the very real feelings that you're feeling, but I or say that marriage. in a way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or serious marriage. Yes. Sarah, we, we cannot use you as the example of like what people should do no, they because can't. 900 times no, no, out of a no, thousand, no, it like does not work. That's nine um, out of 10 folks. <laughs> I meant to say 999,000 times out of a million. I don't even know. My math is, I did calculus in high school and that was like, and then I was like, I never need to do math ever again. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. I have forgotten all of my times tables. I literally was like six (laughs) times seven. I only remember the ones that rhyme. Eight eight times eight is six day four. I've never heard that before. Well, bitch, now you know, eight times eight. <laughs> that's not one that trips me up, though. So <sighs> regardless, um, yes, I'm not trying to diminish your feelings about this, but I also just want to say, like, I think it's OK to have these feelings, right? Like, I think that we often like so beat ourselves up over nostalgia, like of being like, 
oh, I'm doing something wrong because I'm nostalgic or I've done something wrong yes. because I'm feeling nostalgic, right? Like this nostalgia has to be about regrets and I should, and if things had been different, I wouldn't have this nostalgia. And I just want to say like, I think that nostalgia is like, no matter what you do, you're going to feel it. <laughs> it is like a, it is just an always present emotion. Um, and it tricks us into thinking like, oh, I'm full of regrets. But I think what it's actually doing is saying like, are, we're so capable of like, yeah, we're processing through so many different scenarios in our head. Yeah. Um, or like that was a time when this thing was happening or. I wish um, that went differently. Absolutely. And I think that those are all, again, like very n normal and probably in some ways like helpful things to be thinking through. So, but I think sometimes we get stuck in it because we're like, oh, this is, this is telling me something important, right? This is telling me something that I need to be taking into account when really it's like, no, our hearts just do weird things. Right. And it's, it's okay that they do weird things, but there's no, like, there's no, not necessarily any weight to this. Yeah. It's just, it's like one of the things, one of the places where our heart goes in different times, in different ways. So like the fact that you're feeling this type of feeling about regret around this relationship is, doesn't mean, need to mean anything bigger than, oh, this was a nice man. We had a nice time. I could have done something different and I didn't. And I'm in my feelings right now because I don't have this type of romantic life love in my life yeah. right now. Um, so shoot your shot. And also don't feel like you need to give this more weight than it needs, right? Like this, yeah. this sort of this feeling that you're having of, of desire or wanting for this person doesn't mean that you missed out on like the one love of your life, which is yes. what a romantic comedy would tell us is true. <laughs> yes, totally. Right. It can just mean that like you kind of miss this person. Right. Like, and that's an okay thing. Like that is like a very manageable, you can wrap your arms around like, oh, I just missed this person. Right. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because other than me being like, I don't give a fuck, shoot your shot. Love is real <laughs> energy that I'm bringing to this episode. I also want to say like, this is not unique to this magical European man. This feeling is going to be felt throughout our lives because in our lives, we unfortunately only get one opportunity at a time to react. And then we have to respond to those reactions. Right. And so you mm -hmm. made your choices. You, you navigated that relationship in the best way that you could. And now you're thinking, man, but what if I did these other ways? What if I did this other thing? Is that the only time that I'm going to be with a man who wants to show me off, who wants to dance with me, you know, all of mm -hmm. these things. Um, and the answer is no, that is not the only time. Um, I don't know what conversations you're having with your therapist or what relationships have showed up in your life since then that would make this like an escapist relationship. Um, but like, maybe you're doing that. Maybe in your mind, you're like, oh, this is, this man's on a pedestal and these other men La, 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 la. Maybe you're using that mm -hmm. as an opportunity to withhold other avenues of love from yourself. Um, that mm -hmm. Sam's right. That feeling of nostalgia, it's going to happen throughout your whole, it, it, it's going to continue to happen. And I say that to myself as well. Like nostalgia is such a hard feeling for me because it triggers the, I did something wrong shame in me. And then, For so sure. I start ruminating on like, well, what are those choices? You know, like what, why didn't I go into nursing? <laughs> like, 
like sometimes I literally think about the the weekend of college when I was like, I should go to nursing school. And then I stayed in the liberal arts and did nothing with that degree. And I think, man, I like what what would happen to my life if I went into nursing and, and what would my life look like and yada, yada, yada. And like we are all capable of that sort of. Um, rerouting of our lives and our mind that come that it, it definitely comes with complicated feelings. It will always come with complicated feelings because we've mm-hmm. always made one choice and not a million others, not a million other yep. choices. And so we, we fixate on the one choice that we did make instead of the million other ones that we also concurrently made, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. That all being said, let me, I just want to say briefly for like our insurance purposes, why we're saying shoot your shot with this person and not shoot your shot with like the 38,000 other letters that we get that we're like, block them, don't (laughs) contact them, don't get back with your ex. (laughs) Uh I just want to say the green flags that I see in here, why I want you to shoot your shot other than just like I'm looking for the good in the world is um, there's been some time and literal space and distance between the two of you, right? Number one, you've have you've had opportunities to grow as people independently of one another, not within like an identity with one another. You know, like it's it hasn't been any there hasn't been codependent growth here, right? You've ha- you've had an opportunity to grow. You've had time, space, and distance to explore other relationships. Um, you've maintained a respectful, healthy boundary filled relationship, right? Like it's not like you've been talking every weekend or it's not like when you're in relationships, you text each other and say, Oh, I miss you. I'm romanticizing you. Right? No, you, you, you catch up every six months. That sounds really great and intentional and loving. Um, so those are all green flags to me. That's why I think that this is an opportunity for you to say like, I either need to fully put these feelings to rest. Um, Or maybe something new needs to be made out of them. Like Sam's right. My relationship cannot be the the standard to which we hold shooting your shot with your exes because (laughs) I was really lucky. And also we didn't talk for 12 fucking years. We we had fully closed that chapter of our lives and we kept Mm -hmm. sort of thinking about the other person. And uh, yeah, so Willow shot her shot and I accepted that shot <laughs> yep and i was i was not on board no. so no, keep no, that no, in no, mind no. too <laughs> yeah sam was like nope nope and just just like a recap i willow shot her shot and because of some inconsistency in the past i was like really standoffish and really boundary heavy up front right away i was like um mm-hmm. this is gonna be different or this is gonna be not at all is the energy that I came into the relationship with and it fucking totally worked. <laughs> yep. Um it worked. So these are all um not well, time out. Relationships don't work or not work. Like that's just the path that we were on. <laughs> you know, there's not like a formula to getting back with your ex. I just want to say that for insurance purposes. <laughs> um uh-huh. uh but uh though I just wanted to point out why those are all green flags for me. Um, meaning you, you might feel really good after you say like, Hey, listen, do you ever think about what could happen between the two of us? Because I find myself daydreaming and wishing that we had done it differently because of these reasons. I don't Mm -hmm. know what you have going in your life right now. I don't know what this would mean sharing these feelings, but I feel like I want you to know this part of me. And then you have to be ready for them to say, like, I don't feel that way anymore about you 
And you also yep. have to be ready for them for this relationship to change forever. Like maybe he stops contacting you on your birthday, but also like, isn't that, isn't that the point here that what's going, what's happening now isn't sort of serving us anymore. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. either needed to shift to more or we needed to shift to less so that you can make space in your heart for other intimacy, other relationships. All right. Um, listen, letter writer, we love you. You are my darling and you deserve um, great connection, whether it's with this person or with somebody else. But like, let me know how Absolutely. it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you got to live vicariously through you. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for writing. We, we hope you. that whatever that was helps you in some way. <laughs> and we love you. <laughs> Chaos. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Mar Brick, whose pronouns are she, her, and they, them who is writing from Minneapolis. Uh, I was in a monogamous relationship for about three years. During that time, my partner had a close friend who I didn't exactly gel with. She would call my partner her bike husband. They'd met in the local bike scene and go on long tangents about how she could never date my partner while because he was too anxious or just not her type. She'd also given me a card at the beginning of my relationship with my partner, welcoming me to the friend group and thanking me for dating him. I thought it was all odd, but I wasn't worried. Fast forward four years to now, my partner and I broke up about a year ago and I'd unceremoniously been kicked out of the friend group by the closest, by the close friend in a tragic turn of event. My ex's brother was murdered. I called him to offer condolences at the end of the phone call. He told me that he, he and the close friend were in a relationship and had been for a while. I had a knee jerk reaction and called them both toxic. My ex told me to never contact him again. I was heartbroken. I'd been missing him, but I attributed it to wanting to be in a relationship more than being with him. I later found out that a few mutual friends had known for a while, but didn't think it was their place to tell me while he had assumed that someone had told me. To make matters even worse, even though this new partner has apparently blocked me on all social media, she sometimes unblocks me to like random content of mine, like things I've made for graduate school. It drives me crazy. How do I get through this? My feelings vacillate wildly. I am mad at him. I hate her. I'm mad at friends who knew about this whole thing the whole time. It's been nearly a month and I'm losing my mind. I've tried contacting him again, but he won't respond. And it just made me feel worse. I have also been banned from talking about him to certain mutual friends, friends he met through me because they want to stay friends with both of us. I guess my other question is how are these people justifying the new girlfriend's bad behavior? Isn't anyone telling her to knock it the fuck off? I'm afraid that I've fallen into crazy ex territory. I also want to add that I have ADHD and I struggle with rejection, rejection, sensitive dysphoria. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. All right, Mar Brick, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter. Um, both Sam and I had never heard of the rejection sensitive dysphoria, so we looked it up and wanted to share with our listeners who might not know as well. RSD is when you experience severe emotional pain because of a failure or feeling rejected. This condition is linked to ADHD, and experts suspect it happens to happens due to differences in brain structure which is interesting. I never knew that. And I'll have to learn more about that to speak on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so thanks for sharing this experience. I know that I, I'm familiar with this sense of quote, like crazy ex territory anxiety that you're feeling where you, you are, your feelings are oscillated between 
feeling angry, feeling resentful, feeling lonely, feeling regretful. Um, and all of that is like this brew of anxiety that makes you feel like action needs to be taken by yourself, by your friends, by your ex, by your ex's new partner. Um, it's just like, mm. it's not a stable, um, peaceful time. And it's really hard to find that inner peace during that time. So definitely sure. relate to that. Um, that sort of like Molotov cocktail of emotions that you're experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I just want to say that, um, at least in my experience, when I'm sort of at this place where I am sort of asking, like, am I crazy? Like what is happening here? It comes really from this sort of desire to have my own pain seen and validated, yeah. right? Where it's like, I sort of need to make myself as big as possible to demonstrate how much pain I'm in. And what I want to say to you is that Sierra and I see how much yeah. stress and anxiety and pain this whole situation is causing you, right? This, this breakup, the news about him, uh, getting with this, this close friend of his, um, her behavior on social media, right? Like I, I definitely see that this is causing you a lot of pain and anxiety around it. Um, and I'm sorry, you're feeling like your friends aren't sort of seeing how much this is causing you and, and changing their behavior in the way that you would like them to around this. Um, and what I want to say also is that, um, you do, I know that you feel really powerless in this situation, right? Because you can't control the fact that your ex is dating his friend. You can't control how your friends are responding. You can't make everyone hate him. You can't find your way back into this friend group. Um, and I want to say that you do have some power in the situation to help enact some things that are going to yeah. be helpful or healing for you in this. Right. So I think, for example, right. If it really stresses you out that this person looks at your social media and then likes it, right. You can block this person. You don't need, you don't need her in your life. Right. Like you don't, yeah. if that's Why something that's causing you a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's, and there's nothing Again, we have this sort of narrative around the idea of like blocking someone is so drastic and it's like petty or whatever it is. Like there are so many different articles that come out about who's unfollowing who in like celebrity circles. Yeah. And like, guess what? We're not that important. <laughs> like No one else is paying attention. So you you are absolutely entitled to block this person. It's not dramatic. It's not ridiculous. Like just just do it. If this is causing you stress, like you don't you don't need to have this I person. I for sure blocked people have that the, I didn't want to have access to me or that I didn't want to have access to like the proactive block, right? Oh, Blocking sure. can, absolutely. you know, we make a lot of jokes about it on a show, but it really is such a crucial, um, moment of self care, um, to, to say like, this person's not gonna, I, I no longer want to put my energy stressing about whether this person sees my account or not. Don't give them access mm -hmm. to it. Take it away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. And I think it makes sense that you're sort of going between all of these different emotions of of being mad and angry and hurt and all of these different things. Um, and again, I just want to say, like, those emotions are are understandable. They are not they're not too big. They're not something that needs to be justified. Right. Like, yeah, it's it is OK that you're feeling this rejection. It's OK that you're feeling this anger at this person. Um and you don't need to convince me or Sierra that this is really challenging yeah. for you and really hard for you. Um, we believe you. Absolutely. And so my question for you is knowing all of that, right? Knowing that this is really hard and challenging for you. What do you need? 
Like, what are you, what's going to be helpful for you? What are you going to do to help recognize that these emotions aren't serving you super well and, and choose to find different ways to, to do those things. And by that, I don't mean poisoning all your friends against him or trying to call him and get him to apologize or trying to break them up, right? Like these things that are sort of like outside of your control. I mean, for you, what is the, what is the journey that you're going to take into yourself to help recognize that something in this, there is an unmet need somewhere in this situation. There is some sort of story that's being told to you about how unworthy you are, how unentitled to these feelings you are, how this sort of situation somehow tells a story about you as a person. And I want you to know, I want you to get really curious about what those things are and then use what you have available to you to find ways to meet those needs without sort of extracting them from other people or trying to control other situations to help make sure that, that people know how big of a thing this is for you. Right. I believe you. And I also believe that the, the feelings of wellness that you're looking for are available to you from work that you're going to, you can do with yourself and with other people around you. Right. And those things, those things are available to you. And I, and I, and my encouragement is for you to figure out like, what does that look like for you? What is that? What does that mean for you as a person in this unique experience in the unique body that you are in? What does it look like for you to find healing in this rather than finding anger or sadness or whatever it is that, that is sort of driving you in this moment. And what are those things that are inside you and not external? Like we can't change this X's new girlfriend's behavior, both past and present behavior that you shared Mm -hmm. in this letter. We can't control our friends and other people aren't responsible for justifying this new girlfriend's behavior or not. Um, So where can this healing be fostered? How can this healing be fostered within you and not externally on things that we don't actually have control or access to? Um, Mm -hmm. I want to like extrapolate on two things there, just that one, um, I noticed that you shared these behaviors of this new girlfriend back when she was just a friend that like irked you. And so I know part of the narrative that you're telling yourself is like, she was trying to sabotage your relationship or she always wanted to be with him or she was always a threat. And then that prophecy turned true. Right. Mm -hmm. But I want to say like, I don't know the ins and outs of that relationship. I don't know the ins and outs of your breakup, but I'm going to take a gander and say it didn't happen because of all these behaviors from this girlfriend or from this, from this friend, right? She is not the architect of your heartbreak right now. It might be reassuring, it might be reassuring you that that, that narrative that you're saying to yourself is true. Like, oh my God, she was always a threat. And now look, that threat turned true. And so I can never protect myself. I can never, you know, be vigilant enough. I wasn't anxious and anxious enough. And now this relationship ended and this prophecy turned true, but that's not what happened here. You had a relationship with this person. They had a friendship. I don't know what the dynamic of that friendship was, but it was over there and your relationship was here that your relationship ended and then they got together. So I know that's hard to hear, especially like I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and like, I would be pissed too. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. of course that fucking Mm. friend that I, the one that I was worried about turned out to be the person that he moved on with. Like that means whenever he was with me, 
he wanted to be with them. You know, like it would just reinforce all of these stories that I would tell myself about it. Um, and I think the first step I would take to healing is, is literally breaking up with those memories being like the details that you shared with us about this new girlfriend. I don't, they have no place here anymore. They have Mm. no, I, I, I know that they weren't fun or comfortable back then. Um, and I know that they're, you're kind of ruminating on some of them now, but they, they, they're not going to bring you any healing or sense of clarity about why this is, why are they, why are they together now? It's, it's not a prophecy turned true. It's just Mm -hmm. a situation that happened. Um, and I know that's hard. I, I mean, trust me, like Sam and I have the fucking privilege to sit in our little ivory tower or rainbow tower, as we called it a couple of episodes ago (laughs) and just be like, Oh, this is what it's, you know, this is how to act when your heart is broken. This is how to act when you're sad. This is how to, how to act when you're feeling jealous or whatever. But like this fucking is so hard. (laughs) This is so, it's so hard. This is so hard. And, um, I, this is, I said earlier that in life, we are only given one opportunity to react and then we have to respond to that reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. And you said you had, you had a bad reaction and you called them both toxic and, and yeah, that is regretful. And also how can we take steps to like move past that knee jerk reaction and heal the knee jerk reaction to begin with? Why are they both toxic? Because they moved on together and you were afraid that they were into each other before that that might be the truth and that might just like suck really hard. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah. I, I, like, I feel like I'm not being comforting right now. I'm, I'm trying to be comforting by being like, this all sucks. And also none of this needs to be in your day to day processing. For sure. Like I am giving you permission to like, let that new girlfriend yeah. go, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. No. Cause I think, I think what Sierra and I want is for you to find healing. And what we're seeing is that there are certain places where that healing is not going to come from, right? It's not going to come from calling your ex a bunch of times, right? He's told you to stop and, and he's not going to give you what you want from him in that instance. And it's not going to come from looking at this girl's social media. It's not going to come from telling yourself a story that they were always together or they were always planning to get together or they sabotaged your relationship, right? Like those are not places where healing is going to come from. So the reason why we're sort of talking about this is not because we want to shame you or say like, like you're a bad person for doing these things. What we're trying to do is invite you into a place where healing is going to be more available to you. Right. And that and is those such things, a good way to put it available. Those things mm-hmm. are, yeah, those things are off ramps. Those are off ramps in the direction of healing, right? They're going to, they're, they're things that are going to feel really good, right? You're going to be able to spend some time, I don't know, doing things that you do on off ramps. I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor, but, <laughs> but they are not actually offering you an opportunity to find something different, which is going to be about doing some of that self-awareness work, doing some of that self-work to say, what is the story I'm telling myself about this situation? And why do I believe that story? Right. What is the, what are the, what's the unhealed part of me that's telling me that the fact that they're together means something deep about me or who I am or what, what I'm worth or what I'm worthy of. Right. And so that's why we're 
that's why we're offering you this opportunity to do something different. Not because we think you're a bad person yeah. for trying to find this healing in, in these different places. Cause that's where it feels like the healing should come from. This is exactly where I would be. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I yes. would exactly be yep. like, well, this fucking woman was always yep. sketchy in this relationship. And now they got together, like the audacity of these people to get to, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I mean, it, 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 that is also true. Like yep. if you haven't heard it from us yet explicitly, like that sucks to be, to mm-hmm. find out that your ex has moved on with somebody that you were worried about. Like that's not a good feeling, but Mm-mm. I, but I also like that, that good feeling is that bad feeling is never going to turn into a good feeling. Like it's never going to get sanded down. It's never going to like mm. be like a gentle place for you to sit and reflect like, ah, oh, yes, my deepest fear came true. <laughs> You know, (laughs) that's why we're like trying to pivot away from that. Like, um, how can we radically accept that he moved on with a girl that you were worried about? Yep. Is by just saying it exactly. He moved on with this girl and it doesn't, it's not because she, there was like some grand plan, um, to sabotage me. It's not because Mm -hmm. they wanted to make me feel bad about myself. It's not because she is better than me. It is because mm-hmm. I am not for him and he is not for me. And therefore who he moves on with has literally nothing to do with me. And how do we mm-hmm. radically accept that? Because mm-hmm. I'm asking you guys, like, how, how do we accept that? Because it's so hard. <laughs> it is. It is really hard. All of this to say that this situation is really challenging. I'm really sorry that you two broke up. I'm really sorry that he's with the the ex that or the person that you we're told not to worry about. I'm really sorry that that also means that your friends have, uh, have chosen him in the situation or that they don't want to talk about this anymore. Like that is really isolating to feel and that, that experience isn't fun. Um, and I, and I understand that, that you have this really strong desire to be seen and heard and comforted in the pain that you're experiencing from this. And I want to say, yeah, absolutely. I wish that I could give you a hug and say like, Ooh, this is a a terrible shitty situation that you're in. And I also want to give you a hug and say, come over here where there's, there's more things that are going to fulfill you and sustain you and, and more nutrition for you than being over here in this really dark place by yourself where you're sort of, where you're making enemies of people and villainizing people in ways that isn't actually helping you. So We love you deeply and and recognize how how painful the situation is. And and our hope with this conversation is to offer you an opportunity to find something that's going to be more soothing than sort of rubbing yourself against this unsanded wood in the hopes that it'll somehow become more comfortable for you. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, we love you. We're in this with you. Um, we hope that this helps you redirect some thoughts into a more loving, more compassionate place. Um and we hope you feel a little bit more at peace with your friends. Like they, they're doing the best that they can too. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we know that that can be really isolating and, and frustrating sometimes. But again, the, the healing is, is, is your journey. The healing is within you. That is a terrible Hallmark card. And for that, <laughs> I am like literally so sorry. <laughs> and also it's fucking true. So... <laughs> And it's real. All right, my darling. We love you so much and we hope you feel better. We hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Our final letter comes to us from Inita Wake Up Call, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from Denial Island. Trigger warning in this letter for gaslighting, emotional abuse, and threats of suicide. Hi, Sam and Sierra. This all started seven years ago when I met Miss Wright, she, they, in college through mutual friends. She is funny, charismatic, loving, and gentle with the kindest heart you'll ever meet. She was going through school to become a nurse. I was art history geek. We just clicked. I have never felt such instant chemistry. On the night we met, we ended up talking through the entire party as I drove her home and then parked outside her house for an additional four hours just to talk. It was as though we had known each other for our entire lives. Both pretty closeted baby gays. We were, quote, friends for a year and a half before we were able to admit our feelings to each other and then our friends. And then finally, with much encouragement from our friends to each other. Our romance was a whirlwind. It wasn't even a week before we were making plans to move in when our leases were up in the summer. We were inseparable. I had never felt so close, so seen, or so loved, and I tried to do the same for her. Things started to get bumpy a few months after we moved in together. Miss Wright was so much more beautiful, more outgoing, and more self-assured than I was, so her friend group was so much farther reaching than mine. I became jealous of her friendships, especially those with other girls who I thought were smarter, prettier, and far more in her league than me. My green eye led me to do things I'm not proud of, such as looking through her phone, questioning where she was and who she was with, and far, far worse. Buckle up. You're about to hear the worst of me. I started rumors and gossip in our mutual friend group. To Miss Wright, I would say I heard a perceived rival talking poorly about her, then text the that perceived rival that Miss Wright was angry with her, and so on. These little gossip wheels worked to drive Miss Wright apart from the people I saw as threats, and even from those I didn't. At first, I felt guilty for telling these lies, but I couldn't seem to stop because it was working. Miss Wright was spending more and more time with me and less and less time with those I thought would take her from me. Eventually, I secretly blocked the numbers and socials for the few friends she had left and some family, especially those who didn't like me. It felt like the world was against our love and I wanted to do anything I could to protect her and us from that. I even sent a few emails from Mrs. Wright's inbox telling people that, quote, I wanted them out of, quote, my life, and then deleting the emails and blocking the contact. Before long, it was just the two of us and no one else. Miss Wright was definitely becoming depressed from the lack of a social circle and lost all of her con- uh, lost a lot of her confidence. But I worked even harder to bring to big her up, telling her that she wouldn't need anyone because she had me. 
Miss Wright started leaning on me more and more to reassure, and I ate it up. It felt incredible to have such a wonderful person need me. We stayed in our little bubble for about two years, during which time Miss Wright drank heavily and her grades tanked. She went from being the bright, shining flower I had fallen in love with to a sunless, shriveled thing. My usual tactics of cheering her up and keeping her going stopped working. She was miserable, but told me I was the only good thing in her world. The bubble finally burst, but I had no idea. A friend, we'll call her Gigi, from nursing school, was worried about Miss Wright and had tried to reach out but couldn't. This scared her, so she found Miss Wright at her work and convinced her to go to lunch. Over lunch, when what I had been doing all along, the black number, numbers, the lies, the fake messages were all discovered. Miss Wright was devastated and wanted to confront me. Gigi wanted to come with, but Miss Wright convinced her that it was something she wanted to do alone. That night when I got home from work, Miss Wright was crying on the couch, going through her socials and seeing all the things she'd missed out on from my deception. She was patient and kind, even as she asked me why I'd done it. At first, I tried to lie and deny it, but she and Gigi found really solid proof in some made-up emails I had sent from Miss Wright's account. When I was finally backed into a corner, I completely lost it. I was so scared of Miss Wright leaving me, I broke down crying. I begged her to forgive me. And when she said she was going to need time and space, I told her I didn't think I could live without her. Through hiccuping sobs, I told her I would kill myself if she left me. Miss Wright, being a far better person than I, didn't leave. She told me that she still cared about me despite what I had done and that she didn't want me to hurt myself. She stayed with me all night long and for the next two weeks during the day. Anytime she would go to leave, it felt like my heart was going to explode. I just knew she wouldn't come back and I'd lose myself to sobs again. Every time Miss Wright stayed to console me. But this wouldn't last either. Two weeks after Miss Wright found out, she asked me to go get groceries as she wasn't feeling well. I reluctantly agreed to go. When I got back a few hours later, Miss Wright was gone. She had taken the very basics of her things and left me a note saying that while she still cared about me, she couldn't be my only reason for living. She said she wasn't coming back for her things and that she was blocking me on all social media. She had said she hoped I would get help and that she had called my family to tell them I was suicidal and that she really hoped I got well someday. Sam and Sierra, I thought I was dying. My heart was crushed and I wanted to die. I couldn't believe that she had really left me. I ran out of the house and tried driving around to find her. I went to old friends' houses, looked for her car, and was generally a crazy ex-girlfriend. Eventually, my family found me sobbing and literally tearing my hair out in the car. They forced me to get help, and it was a long, long road to realize that I was the problem, that what I had done was horrible, that I had to get better for me and not just for Miss Wright to come back, and that I was an addict with a particular fix. It has been three long years of ups and downs on the journey of getting right with myself. Lots of therapy and doctor visits and testing out medication. I am nowhere close to perfect, but I am doing the hard work and I hope every day to make a small piece of the amends I owe Miss Wright. After all that, here's my issue. We live in a pretty big city and I moved to a new part of it as a piece of starting fresh. I work full-time at a cafe and happened to see Miss Wright through the window across the street about two weeks ago. She was with another woman, holding hands and looking like her old self again. 
This new woman works in the restaurant across the street. And even without defaulting to my old ways, I can't help but see new girl all the time. And sometimes the two of them together. A part of me desperately wants to walk over there and to talk to Miss Wright. To tell her that I know now what I did to her was abusive and awful. I want to apologize and let her know that her letter really did make a difference to me and that I'm trying to be a new person. But what do you two think? Is it overstepping to try to talk to her? Would an apology even make a difference? And how do I quiet the little psychopath who still lives in the back of my head who wants nothing more than to start back up on my old ways? I know you two won't pull any punches (laughs) and I could really use some sense knocked into me. Much love, Anita. All right, Anita, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter and for trusting us to respond to it um, with love and compassion and also truth. And you're right. Mm -hmm. Part of this letter was really, no, all of this letter was really hard for me to read, um, both because of your past behaviors that you know were inappropriate um, and because um, I know that the journey to becoming a better version of yourself is hard. It's mm-hmm. lonely. It's self-deprecating. Um, and regret is one of the emotions that I struggle most with. And so I simultaneously want to, I don't know, just reiterate the that the behaviors that you exhibited in this relationship were abusive and inappropriate and really like damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know that, <laughs> you know that. Yep. And, and I also, at, at the same time, I want to try to talk away about a way for you to be liberated from that past behavior and, and yep. be, and be better. And it's hard sometimes, you know, like it's, I guess I, I'm feeling a lot of feelings right now. And just so you know, one of the feelings is love and respect for you. I'm, I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that you had the wherewithal and the humility and the vulnerability to write this letter at all, because it Mm -hmm. gives us an opportunity to speak to our worst selves. You know, there are Mm -hmm. people out there, you know, we get lots of letters that say like, sometimes the people that you guys write, you know, the letters that you get from folks, I'm the bad guy in them, you know? So Mm -hmm. what do I do Mm -hmm. with that? And guess what y'all? Like I am, I have been the bad guy in so many of the letters that you've written to written in. I have the perspective that I have has been completely informed by the fuck ups that I have done by the toxic abusive behavior that I have both endured from partners and enacted on partners. Um, Mm. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to answer this letter because I do believe that this is how we, this is how more, most importantly, I don't know if you can make it up to this X, but I know Mm. you can be different. That's, I think that's what I'm sitting on right now. Is that like, it's hard to fucking read some of those things that you did because some of the same like isolation, abusive tactics have been done to me. So it's like, it's, 
I'm just being transparent that that's like, it's hard for me to say those things out loud. And also Mm -hmm. I love you and I believe in your ability to do differently, not to this X, like this X, this, this Mm -hmm. damage has been done. And, um, we can't change that. We can't change the past. Um, and Sam and I, it's not Mrs. Wright's job to affirm your growth or to forgive you. Sam and I can do that. Sam and I can affirm your growth and forgive you for that toxic, abusive behavior because we know that you were doing the best that you can. And we know that it's disappointing when our best is abusive, right? But Mm -hmm. that's the work, right? That's the work to show up and say, I'm not going to do, I saw how that hurt people. I saw how that damaged people. I saw how that damaged myself and was limiting me. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to. I'm not going to continue that wound. Absolutely. And I, and I appreciate the, that you even name in the letter, right? Like, how do I make sure that that, that little voice that lives in the back of my head that wants nothing more to, than to do this thing again? Yeah. What do I do with that voice? And I, and I appreciate you naming that because I want to say, I don't know that that voice is ever going to go away. No, I have that right? voice. Like yeah. the, right. For sure. The worst parts of us don't just like disappear when we are on our path towards being like towards healing, right. Or to finding a different way of being the, the work is not to say, cool, that little, that little voice is now like over there on a shelf and it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. The, the purpose of the work that, that we're doing and that it sounds like you're doing as well is to recognize that that voice isn't helpful to us, right? To say, mm-hmm, yep, I hear you and I know that you're there and I've got these other things that I'm trying. I've got these other things that I'm doing. And so I want to say to you, first of all, that you that the work is to not listen to that voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is the explicit the explicit thing to say. And I want to also say to you that the fact that that voice still exists or is still in you doesn't mean that you're not doing the work. Yes. That it doesn't mean that you're not actually taking real accountability for what you have done to this person and that you're going to be changing your behavior and doing different things in this relationship with Miss Wright, right? Like you're not in a relationship, but like in the, the human experience that you two are having together on this world, right? Like, and in the future relationships that, that you're in, um, and, you know, want to stress too, right? Like that, that the work is about accountability as well. It's not just about forgiveness of yourself, right? It's not just about self-acceptance, but also about in that forgiveness and in that self-acceptance, what am I choosing to do differently so that I don't enact this harm on other people again, even as I'm still continuing to feel pain and, and lack of self-confidence and these comparisons that I'm doing, right? It, sometimes we get so focused on like the self-love portion of this work, which is deeply important because it helps us hold ourselves accountable in a different way. We sometimes lose sight of that accountability piece. And what I want to say to you is like, I absolutely appreciate how much work you've been doing. And the real proof is in the pudding here, right? What are you choosing to do yeah. in this instance, having done all of this self-work to find ways to recognize that your behavior was, was as you say, horrible, that you don't want to enact this violence on other people, Great. I love that. And it sounds like you're also weaving in that accountability to it. And this is an accountability moment, right? This is one of them. You know that you've inflicted harm on Miss Wright. 
you know that that you have put her in a place where she has had to do her own healing because of the the harm that you've caused her. My question for you is what is what is the goal here, right? What are you trying to do with this this desire that you have to reach out and tell her you're a different person, right? What is that? What sort of proof does that offer you that you can't find from yourself? Yeah. Right. Sierra and I believe you. And I think that you believe that you have done this. And I hope that there are people in your life who are also affirming that you have changed because of this experience in a way that has been helpful, but I, she doesn't need to provide that for you and it is not owed to you from her. And, and I want you to really hear that and recognize that <clears throat> she may find healing from having a deeper conversation with you. It's not up to you to decide that, mm. right? She has the she is allowed to come to you yeah. and say, "Hey, I've been thinking a lot about our relationship and I want you to know that I have that I'm here to offer you forgiveness, but because of the harm that you've enacted on her, it's not your it is not your place to ask for that in this moment." Well, and I think we get confused about accountability because we use that term as like a cause and effect that is directly relational, but accountability doesn't always mean changing your actions or yourself to another person. Accountability doesn't always mean making it right directly with that person. Accountability means saying, I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to act differently in the future. When I have the opportunity to do better, I am going to do better. It doesn't always mean directly with the person that we wronged. And I think that's like, it's a, it's an understandably confusing thing. Listen, I just want you to know, I said this earlier, but like part of the reason why this letter is hard to read is because I see myself in you. I I see the desire to control and manipulate to prevent, to prevent myself from being hurt or left. Like I have done micro versions of this behavior. I know I have. And and that's why it's like, yeah, it's just, this is a very revealing letter for me. And I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to it because I would have similar urges, right? Like I would have similar uh, desires to s- keep things within me to, to, to control the narrative, to manipulate the perspective, like to, mm-hmm. s- to prevent me from, from being harmed. I mean, like it's, it's, listen, you say that it's like the ugliest parts of you, um, but we all have those ugly like not that not that everybody has done what you have has what you've done or that everybody has the capacity to but we all have the capacity to um what's the word in enneagram to to disintegrate Disintegrate. yeah we all Mm -hmm. have the capacity to disintegrate into our most unhealed most animalistic selves right where we we act out of instincts and fear um Uh, so I want to speak to that part of you that I see in myself really quickly and just say for the long-term healing for the long-term like change that you're going to enact within yourself. I know, you know, this, or you've probably gone over this in in some of your work, but like, I want to speak to that little psychopath voice (laughs) that Sam is so right that we all continue to negotiate with even well past our healing. Right. Um, Manipulative behavior, like the behavior you exhibited, is a band-aid. It is a short, soothing practice. And that's why you went to such extremes, is because the only way for you to feel a sense of long-term healing, you know, uh, 
spoiler alert, it didn't last forever, did it? Um, but the only way mm. for you to, to extend that Band-Aid feeling is to go to bigger and bigger extremes of control and manipulation to like yep. keep that narrative within your control. That's it's a band-aid. That's why it was so such an anxious time. That's why it was such an anxious action to to put upon your partner. Um mm-hmm. and the ways that I have been able to negotiate the similar urges in me is to recognize I don't have the bandwidth to control everything my partner does and says, say, and who they see and who they speak to and how they feel about other people. I don't, I cannot, I don't have the bandwidth to it, to control in that capacity. And I mean, it probably took up a lot of your life to orchestrate such manipulation. And for sure. And like, I don't mean that even in a, in a, in a, in a dig way. Like I, I'm just like acknowledging the, the labor, the lengths that you went to, to try to prevent feeling some of the feelings that you were feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's so real. <laughs> insecure, yeah. jealous, yep. right? The the lengths that you went to, to to protect yourself, if you just turned some of that energy inward, which I know you've been doing over the last couple of years, like I I this is why I believe in you is because if you can harness that energy, you can become incredibly self-aware and incredibly um, filled with self-agency and, and control with that little psychopath voice that you have. Um, mm. And I know you can do it because I'm doing it because I still have that voice of like, <laughs> for sure, you know, um, slash your tires <laughs> or, <laughs> or talk, talk shit about a friend that you feel threatened by. Nope. Yep. Sierra, don't do that because you don't have the bandwidth to, to, you can't, that's not going to take me anywhere. That's not going to actually heal the wound, which is why do you feel threatened by that friend? Why don't you feel secure in a relationship that has been otherwise really positive? You know, I'm sorry, I'm getting all over the, all over the place. And that's like the smallest point that I want to make. If I could just take a moment to pivot. Um, Mm -hmm. I also want to say I am allowed to have my own personal reactions to the, your past behavior, And that reaction doesn't mean I think you're a bad person. Yep. And your ex is allowed to have a reaction to your past behavior. And that doesn't mean that you are destined to forever live out her expectations of you. You Mm -hmm. are capable of moving beyond your mistakes. You know that. You have already proven that. You are capable of being a different person. But she isn't responsible for acknowledging that movement. And I know that's Mm -hmm. hard, man. I know that's fucking hard because all I want... How many times have we had conversations like this on the podcast? Like, all I want is to be acknowledged that I'm not the crazy, anxious, manipulative untrustworthy person I was when I was 23 to 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, but yes. <laughs> um, I mean, that's going to be my lifelong. Well, I guess like, that's it. Like that's my lifelong journey is to tell myself that my growth is enough for me. And I'm on that yep. journey and I'm going to be on that journey until like I die. So like, welcome to the path with me. Like I'd like to walk it alongside you and hold your hand. Like all the other listeners. Um, and forgiving yourself, forgiving yourself doesn't mean that you need to accept your past behaviors. Forgiving yourself means you no longer have to prove to others that you are no longer those behaviors. Forgiving yourself mm. wholly, fully, holistically means I am free of other people's experiences of me because I am living 
now in the present moment with all the awareness and self-compassion and self-accountability that I owed myself back then, but couldn't, yep. couldn't enact. And the fact that I couldn't enact it caused active harm to yeah. other people, right? Like, and that's, and that's a really hard place to be sitting, um, in sort of that reality of, of recognizing that it was not because we were bad or evil, mm -hmm. but because of the, the harm or the, the pain that we were carrying that caused us to enact these things on other people. Um, cause it's easier sometimes to just say, I'm an evil person. And so that's why I did this, this bad thing, right? Cause it, it lets us off the hook, but yeah. what, but it, what it sounds like you're doing and what it sounds like you're acknowledging is the fact that it actually wasn't because I'm a bad person. It's because I was hurting and it's because I'm capable of doing these bad things when I'm hurting this deeply. And so my job is to, to find a way to help heal that hurt so that I can be better to myself and to other people. Um, so I just want to say that, um, the way forward for you is not with Miss Wright, right? And um, I think we can acknowledge the fact that Miss Wright doesn't owe you anything in this moment. Um, and in fact, uh, you... You owe it to her you and, to not contact yeah, you her. Owe, there it is. Yep. And I'm I think that you owe that it to her. Up, yeah. Yeah. I think that you owe it to her to respect the boundaries that she's enacted with you around not wanting you yeah. to be part of her life anymore. Yeah. Um, and also just like shout out to Miss Wright for handling the situation in the way that she did. I thought <laughs> right? the, like, the exit strategy was excellent. Was excellent. And, and, uh, and unfortunate that she wasn't put into that position. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And Miss Wright, if you are listening, like just want to like say to you, I'm so sorry that this is what happened and that I, I recognize how deeply painful this situation is for you. Um, and that I hope that you have found some sort of healing out of in sort of the aftermath of, of this situation that, that our letter writer had put you into. But I will say that you, you can't expect her to find forgiveness for you and that your healing and your growth isn't dependent on that forgiveness. It yeah. is not something that is necessary for it. And so how are you focusing on what it looks like to hold yourself accountable, to find ways to heal so that this this doesn't come out sideways like it did in this relationship and to find ways to, to, to forgive and move on for yourself without needing to extract it from this person yeah. who, who has been harmed by the, 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 yeah. the things that you have done to them. I am thankful that you are finding your path and I um, recognize that the things that you have done to Miss Wright were um, inexcusable in a lot of ways, right? We, there are for sure reasons why those things came up and that behavior was also inexcusable and, and finding a way to sit in that is your journey, right? Yeah. Finding a way to recognize that, yes, absolutely. There's reasons why I did these things. And also the behavior was not okay. Um, that sort of self-empathy with that self-accountability to say, my job now is not to try and find a way to get this person to have a different perception of me, but instead to say the real work here, the real accountability here is actually in holding myself to this new understanding of myself so that mm. I don't enact that on other people. 
And I'm, I'm sorry. And I, <laughs> I'm having an epiphany oh as you talk why this is. I mean, obviously, this is a complicated letter for me. And I was just sitting here thinking like, man, I have so much empathy for this person. Blah, 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 blah. But what you just said was also what they were doing in the relationship, right? You said like right. getting them to change the perception of you um, is less important than actually sitting with those uncomfortable feelings. Like that's what was happening in the relationship. You were trying to get them to um, ch like change their perception of you as important in their life instead of sitting with the feelings of why do I not feel important? Why am I feeling so threatened right now? And that's what's coming up again now. Like, absolutely. So don't, so don't repeat this pattern. Yes. Right? I think is what we're asking you to do and sort of recognize the fact that you don't need this person to give you their time and energy and attention in order to be somebody who deserves time and energy yes. and attention. Right. And so, uh, I think, I think the moral of the story is we're really glad to see you on this journey. Mm -hmm. Um, we are glad to see we're glad to see anyone hold themselves accountable for the things that they've done in the past. And it's really rare to see somebody who's done something that is at this extreme to say, like, I know that I did this thing and I want to be different and I'm holding myself accountable to being different. So want us just say, like, thank you for being committed to that work. Um, I think that Sierra and I both see that commitment and are appreciative of it. And this is one of the ways that you can hold yourself accountable to doing this work, which is to not try and find a way to repeat this pattern of trying to get this person to have a different understanding of you, right? It's okay that you're the villain in her story. Mm, it's okay. Oh my God. It sucks. Oh my God. Absolutely. Like it hurts my heart to, to, to say that. And you trying to rectify that isn't about the, the healing that you're on in this moment, right? It is not, it is not serving you or her to try and change that narrative. Let her, let her have her perception of you and her own experience of you. Um, and the work is to say, what does it look like and feel like for me to know that I am the villain in this person's story, right? What does it look like and feel like to know that this person will probably may never forgive me. I won't even say will probably may never forgive me, may never understand why this happened, may never see that I'm trying to do something different mm. because part of this respect that you are trying to show her is about respecting these important boundaries that she has established with you and rep and respecting her perception of you, even if that isn't the truth that you know yourself to be in this moment. Mm, mm, I'm having so many feelings and I, I just want the letter writer to know that most of them are, are kindred compassion and just like how hard it is to pull ourselves up from the human mistakes that we make that hurt other people. Um, but I guess like where I'm proud of our letter writer and of our show is like, we're not asking any of you to come here with clean slates. Like we're not asking any of you to come here as perfect, capable people um, that know what the fuck to do in your interpersonal relationships, because none of us do. We are all capable of abusive behavior. We are all capable of toxic behavior, of hurting one another. Um, but not everybody, not everybody is willing to say I fucked up in like a monumental way. And I, not only do I want to be different, but you, I deserve to be different. Like to our letter writer, like you are still worthy of a healthy relationship. You are still 
deserving of a stable, healthy love. You are worthy of saying, I'm feeling insecure and having your partner reassure you. You know, you are worthy of sitting in those uncomfortable feelings and and finding your way through them without manipulating the situation to help you avoid them, right? You are worthy of all of these things. And Sam and I believe in the person that you are becoming. And honestly, I fucking believe in the person you were. Like I I I know that person was hurting and did some really hurtful things. And I I honor the human that you were then and I honor the human that you're becoming now. Mm, absolutely we love you and we believe in you absolutely thank you so much for writing we hope we hope that this helps all right friends this brings us to the blind date segment of the show every episode we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with and this week we are sending you home with an episode of invisibilia so i have talked about invisibilia as a Um, podcast. I think I've recommended it as a blind date before. Um, It's a great podcast put out by NPR uh, where they sort of investigate the sort of underlying things that are sort of making us work, uh, how we're connected with each other, how we behave with each other. Um, And this episode is called The P Word. um, And it's about power, which was a really interesting look Mm. into um, what power is and what it means um, and sort of Um, you know, we've all heard about power as being like bad or corrupt or something that's not available to us. Right. And this is actually about the idea that power is neutral, right? It, you can use it for good. You can use it for evil, but, um, sort of investigating what it feels like to use the power that we have. And also has this really interesting sort of story about this person who it feels really powerless all the time and doesn't sort of make her needs or wants known and how that is actually also a type of power, right? To, to withhold from people is a, is a type of power as well. Um, and they, they set this person up with a, uh, former dominatrix who specializes in helping people find their power. Um, and really interesting discussions of sort of subdom stuff and like, why consent is super important when it comes to power, uh, thinking about the fact that, um, in healthy sort of kink relationships, everyone is using their power in ways that are transparent and intentional, um, and how that can play out in our relationships with other people. It was a really great, great episode. And I've been thinking about it a lot. So, uh, the episode is called the P word. Um, it is from invisibilia. So you can get that wherever you get your podcast. I'm going to check that out for sure. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our rescheduled live show happening on October 21st in downtown St. Paul. You can also... Uh, get tickets for a live stream of that show too if you are not local. Yeah. Please remember to follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode where Sierra and I are even realer than we are on this show. (laughs) Y'all. We had the best Patreon episode of our entire lives of the past four years of four years of this show. It came out on October, I mean, September 29th, if you want to check that out. 
I can confidently say that was the best episode we've ever done. And it was totally (laughs) unscripted. It was totally just us debriefing about shit going on in our life. And I was deeply moved by it. (laughs) It was was a great conversation. But you can listen at patreon.com slash just break up fun if you want. That's right. This literally keeps our mics in and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his most recent podcast, which is the newest season of The Layers Layer, um, a great British bake-off review podcast that he does with his wonderful wife, Katie. And you can check that out uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, mistakes are our teachers, but sometimes it is hard to accept the lessons they have to offer. But it's important to remember that even in all that discomfort and regret, we do have agency and we do have deservedness. It is not only possible to learn and grow and do differently, but it is possible to one day release those old feelings easily, letting them pass through us, over us, and learning from them fully and setting them down. Give yourself permission to set your past free and forgive yourself for the participation in it. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>